Welcome to the Wet Mun Podcast. Good whatever time of the day it is. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Will. Hey, Will. Pour me some wine. Let's find out what's going on. The Wet Mun Podcast is produced by Dr. Stacia Mun and brought to you by Alt Energy Solar Solutions. Solar energy with a national experience and hometown service. Galactic Rentals. Impressive. Most impressive. And Vera Wine Project. Venture. Revel. Share. The Wet Mun Podcast is intended for mature audiences and adults with questionable morals. And now for the show. Recording. Game on? Yeah, hot mics. Hot mics. Will Wetmore. John Munn. How you doing? How was your week? I'm great. Uh, I had a phenomenal week. Really good week. Uh, I'm going to talk about it a little later. But first... Who do we got with us? Who do we have with us? Talk to us. Introduce us. So um, we invited... Who's um, to your left? My, my, my friend from the brewery where I used to work, um, Cloud9 Brewery, Wade, who is their head brewer. Wade, say hi. Hello. Um, actually, technical brewer. Technical. Not sure. the head brewer? I am not the head brewer. Technical brewer. The owner decided to retain that title for himself. Okay, gotcha. But technical is just as good. What does that mean? I do all the work. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, I'm the assistant <laughs> winemaker, and I do all the, the winemaking work. There you go. Yeah. But I don't make decisions. I make most of the decisions. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wade, thanks for joining us. And who's to your right? Uh, right. Well. Man in the can, Mark Nail. Mark Nail. Whoop, whoop. Let's do a little sound mixing over here. And we are coming from the heart of Hyde Park, Mark Nail's house on 13th. You hear children in the background. Maddox, say hi. Hi. <laughs> Excellent. Orion, say hi. Hi. All right. And then there's Hank, and there's Huckabee, and there's my amazing, beautiful wife, Stacia. So we're hanging out. So, uh, Will, talk to us about uh, what are we fucking drinking? So um, I brought some Malbecs um, today. Last night I was hanging out over at Cloud9, drinking some beer, and I was talking to Wade and asked him what he liked, what kind of wines he likes, and he said he likes Malbec. So, hold on. Yeah. Yes. Ian. So, Malbec is my favorite wine. Yours as well. And I really don't know why, other than the fact I feel like I sometimes it tastes like butter. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and so I have a question about Malbec, and then I also want to circle back in case I forget and I want to talk about wines that you would drink on St. Patrick's Day. Okay. I'll continue with Malbec. Go All right. Ahead. So Malbec is a grape that traditionally grown in the Bordeaux, Bordeaux region of France. So it's kind of one of the classic French varieties. Um, it was always used as a blending variety. So it was blended with Cab and Merlot. Um, and it kind of found its home in these high elevations in, um, in Argentina. And in Argentina, when they started planting it and making it, it was always done in a very bulk style. They'd 
25 tons to the acre, which is crazy, a crazy ton of production. So they're making really cheap wine up until the 1990s. And then once they got into the 90s, um, people started to kind of focus more on quality as opposed to quantity. And we started to see some really cool, good examples of Malbec from Argentina. And I think that kind of transcended into U.S. producers kind of getting an interest in Malbec as well. So now you're seeing U.S. producers do some really cool Malbecs as well. Um, so we have a treat. We have two different Malbecs tonight. We have one from Argentina and one from Washington. Go ahead, John. Question. So it, it was it was previously mass-produced? It was mass-produced in Argentina. They were making a bunch of bulk wine. During – was this – Five years ago, ten years ago, two years ago, twenty years 20 ago. Twenty years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, like in the nineties, is when they started okay. um, focusing more on quality as oh, opposed to okay. quantity. So, quantity was when in the in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Bunch Reagan of era cocaine, cocaine Malbec, cocaine Malbec. Just doing it. <laughs> Let's just call it that. Because the the reason I ask is because I feel like Malbec is not super popular now. Like it's. Hmm. It has become more and more popular. I'd say I think a lot of people that drink wine will know Malbec and like Malbec. Um, I sometimes like Malbec personally, um, but that's more of a personal preference. Okay. Um, but let's, let's, let's try. Let's try them. Yeah, let's, let's talk try about it. them. I, yeah, I have lots of questions on this one. Okay. Here we go. So the first one, this is... From Argentina. And I just grabbed a bottle from Albertsons tonight because we were getting some toppings for pizza. So this is Alamo's Selección 2015 Malbec. Oh, I want to see that label as well. Will you um, – you're going to remember to – you'll remember to take a picture of all this. Sure. And so, I mean, Malbec is typically inky, dark, yeah. purple. Yes. Has kind of pretty robust tannins. Um, so the wine. This is serious wine. This yeah. Is, this one's really dry. It's, I can smell it. So the wine we had last time was like a beautiful color. This is, yeah, I think ink is right. Inky, yeah. Ink. Like this is a dark ass red wine. Eat it. Super purple grape. I think it smells like butter. Am I wrong? It smells like rich and buttery to me. I'm not going to say it doesn't because if that's what you smell, that's what you smell, man. Right. But I, I mean, I could see that. The It's fatty. There's Yes, fat. Is that, is that fair to say? Fatty? It's not, a, it's not a typical wine term, but I can see that on the nose. It's fat. It's not incredibly tannic either. I don't feel it. On the no, and, and I would imagine like if, if most bottles you're buying in the supermarket, and those are wines that are designed to be drank now, right? So this is a 2015, right? And for typical small premium producers, we're not making wines that are being ready to drink in 16 months. Perfect, yeah. Right. So these bigger producers, Alamos is a huge producer. You you can see them probably in any supermarket anywhere in the world, you know, they're making wines that are ready to be consumed now. Yeah. So they want to reserve those tannins and not those big, harsh tannins. Okay, great. It's more of a, it's maybe a necessary expression of the grape, but expression of the producer, I would say. So it's actually, I'm really excited about, cause we're going to try uh, 
a Walla Walla Malbec, and from what I've heard from you, this is a, a good producer as well. So, will you, will you top me off? Do you want to try the second one, or do you want to more no, of the same? Uh, I don't know. How, do, how does it work? Well, well, here, have some more, because I still have some more. Yeah, give me some more. You guys are slow. Dri- so here, <laughs> here's the deal with... Uh, can I just jump in here as yeah. the, the wine amateur? So I think uh, the reason I think Malbec is my favorite red wine is because... It feels really heavy. It's, it feels like a really heavy wine mm-hmm. in my mouth. It feels almost like motor oil, but it kind of has no um, tail. There's nothing at the end. It's like I'm drinking something really rich, and it's flavorful, and then boom, it's yeah. gone. So, and that's most likely from the, I like it. the region in Mendoza, because Mendoza is a really high elevation site that gets tons of sunlight and gets really ripe fruit, but at the same time has these really cold nights. And the cold nights preserve this great acidity, and acidity in wine will cut that richness. Mm-hmm. And so, the, some of the most fine wines in the world have this high level of acid, which will kind of cleanse the palate and mm-hmm. and and make you want another sip, then make your mouth water yeah. for more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that, I mean that's one of the reasons Idaho fruit is really you know unique and interesting that we want some more of that too. We're gonna. We have kind of a similar climate. We're really high desert, really hot, but we also get really cool evenings. Um, and so we've actually seen some of the producers that produce Malbec in Idaho mm-hmm. make just some really stellar wines. Interesting. And it, I mean, it's all it all comes down to like how you're managing the vineyard. Sure. If you're, I mean, if you're if you're if you're doing 25 tons to the acre. You're not going to make great wine. There's no way around it. But if you're if you're limited to like you know three and a half, four, five tons an acre, you're going to make some killer wines with basically any grape that you're playing with. Mm. So, Mark Nell, takeaways, thoughts. Uh, I'm a wine amateur. It's, it's red wine. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, hey, Huckabee is coming to the table. Huckabee, did the women and children leave? Yes, they did. We, oh. we ushered them out. Quietly. Nice. But this wow. is great. It's, um, I mean, on the nose, kind of like really dark fruit, plum. I would buy this again. Not a lot of oak, I would say. It's not. So I kind of, I, I feel like I talked over this. This Alamos is a mass producer of of wines in general. Yeah, yeah. If you good. go to any supermarket, you're, you're going to find Alamos. Good and... good, good wine? Pretty good? Do you yeah, like I would it? say yeah. it's a good value wine for yeah. sure. Yeah. And this is, this is their selec- selection. It's their probably higher tier wine it's not their mm. you know their regular wine so this is their $20 bottle of wine as opposed to their $12 bottle right. of wine so I feel like um, with the Malbecs for me uh, the price range is always right in that sweet spot mm-hmm. for a wine that's not going to disappoint you when yeah you, when you buy it yeah and, if, and like you said um, I think in that and I hate to do that but with the mirror things on Price range, mm-hmm. but they really do say that because I mean the producers are competing and that that comes into play. Uh, I think so. The more that they put into it, obviously it's more it's going to cost them. Yeah, and and so like if you're looking at wine regions like Argentina or Chile or South America or even um, just any lesser known region, the price point on the wines for premium producers they can't put on these 
exuberant price tags. Whereas in like Burgundy, France, which we talked about last week, some of the most mm. expensive Burgogne, Burgogne, some of the most expensive wines in the world. A wine might not be that great, but you can put a tag on it, right? Because it's from a region that produces amazing wines. So that's what's kind of cool about the New World regions or the newer regions. You know, they're they're you get good value, very good value for the quality of wine that you can get. So that's it. Um, before we get into the next bottle, is I'm curious about wine manufacturing in Southern America versus wine manufacturing in France. Is there do they do things totally different? Is it the same? I'm not actually. I, I don't know that for sure. Um, future episode uh, future episode but i know there's certain wine regions new world wine regions that don't kind of fall into the traditional winemaking mantra of french style or italian or germany even like they have tradition and they have the way they do it i know australia in particular is known for kind of pushing the boundary on using modern techniques um mechanic mechanization and 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 not and not getting kind of sucked into those old I, I hear walkabout creek produces a really good wine <laughs> anyone no. yes i, I get okay. it <laughs> so I, I don't know about southern america but i imagine like most new 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 world producers are using every resource possible that they can kind of you know Leverage into their favor. I've noticed that Penfold has got a lot of cheaper um, lines. Penfolds probably does, but also Penfolds, they scored a hundred point wine in like nineteen sixty five. We're talking about Australian wine. What? Yeah, what's Penfold? Penfolds is a winery from Australia, and they made a Shiraz Cab in like sixty eight or something it's just supposed to be ridiculous ridiculous greatest one of all time it was like it was called like bin 65 or something like that and you you can spend a lot of money on some of these like when i was looking up the the most wait are you a wine connoisseur too i i love to drink wine okay i'm not a connoisseur i'm totally amateur so but uh i try to pay attention Hmm. best i can yeah i mean yeah they they make some or they made some killer wine i obviously haven't drank a ton of them because I drank the ones I can afford. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that, that's the problem, right? Sometimes, like, these producers make some great wines, but you're like, eh, I'm sure it's good. I saw the rating by Robert Parker in The Wine Spectator, but... Well, see, that's the thing, too. You, you wonder, um, oh, I read this great article about this particular wine, and then you see it in the store, and you're like, oh, that's only $20? Is it good? I'm going to buy that <laughs> wine, because I just read a great review about a $500 version of yeah. something like that. Yeah, it, it is weird. Like, that's why wine is infuriating sometimes because you so for example i don't know if my boss and me have been saying this but we oh please say it so we made in, i love your boss in bro. 2015 we or 2014 sorry we made a moscato a dry moscato um I love for, that, by the way. it was delicious it was fantastic right um it won the best of show at the idaho wine competition it was delicious. It was awesome. It was super unique and super cool. And so the Idaho Wine Commission submitted it to Wine Spectator or Wine Enthusiast, one of those big magazines, to get reviewed. And we got a review 
two weeks ago or two months ago. No, it was two months ago we got a review. We got an 84. This wine. That's a B. You're going to talk about the, the rating. Of yeah. So we got an 84. And, and as far as like how the, that. So like if, you, if you're going to like, if you open a Wine Spectre magazine, you like go to the back, they'll have reviews for all the wines. We got an 84, which means like a. Eh. It's okay. C. C. It's a C, really. But it was also reviewed two and a half years after it was produced. And the style of wine is supposed to be drank within like nine months. So reviews are kind of stupid. So so you're saying it was kept on a shelf until they... Yeah, until they got to it. Yeah. And so like sometimes you see a review... Well, that's dumb. Like, oh, it's a great review. But like if they're reviewing, you know, Moscato de Asti or de, something like 15 years later, um, of course it's not going to show does, what it was. <laughs> Does the wine critic put his name? Like, does it say who it is? Usually, yeah. Usually, it'll say who. It is. So we can troll put a him, flaming <laughs> yeah, bag of dog him. shit at his house. <laughs> okay. Is what you're saying? Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's put a flaming bag we... of wine on this doorstep. Can we finish the second bottle first, though? Oh yeah, sorry. Let's get into the second bottle. Not sorry. going to county. He called this shit poop. It's over. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I would so... say. Yeah. My final arguments on this is super fruity, juicy. That's kind of like for me, typical of Argentinian Malbec that are at least the ones you get in the United States are lots of fruit. There's not a ton of oak. They're super easy to drink. They're heavy yeah. on the on the mouth, but they cut with that nice yes. acid. I think you're right too, uh, John. I feel like the finish is always best. Yeah, it's, it's boom. Clean. It's it's like, awesome. Let's, yeah, let's no get another sip. Yep. All right, so this is Malbec from Horse Heaven's Hills. Um, same vintage, actually, Triple 2015. H. Triple H. But you can, oh, you can see the color right there, right off the bottom. Oh, yeah. A little, a little more blue or something. Yes. Almost a lot more purple. And this is the expedition. Is that Lewis and Clark in the canoe there? It's got to be Lewis and Clark. Okay. No, no sack of Jawaya. She fell out. Or Seven Hills, my old stomping grounds. But um, so Canoe Ridge or the, Canoe Ridge is from Walla Walla. So, so nice. this line was so the, nice. You have to say it twice. Yeah. Oh man, different, same. No, it's different um, in a good way. It's I'll explain that. It's a uh, it is same, but it it there's ooh. much more aromatics. I would say on ooh. the nose. This tastes fresh. Mm-hmm. Tastes, this one smells also less boozy. Mm. More, way more tannins. Yeah, mm-hmm. lot, oh, yeah, more tanniny. My whole yeah. soft palate's coated. And you can almost—I mean, typically for those big producers, you know, they're making wine. They're making two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, ten thousand cases of one wine. It's got a—it's got to appeal to a lot of palates. So is that? Is that one of the differences? Like it's so that one, the Alamos was a little more boozy. Is that why it kind of went away at the end? And I just wanted to slug down another drink. Uh, no, like no, I don't. Th- I don't think that was the the alcohol level. I think it was more of the um their the expression of tannins. So like the yeah. tannins are what kind of will keep that long finish yeah. and that grit. Because this one, right? You can still taste it. And that's I mean that's the tannins. 
Um, so who knows what they're doing in their production to, to kind of get that effect in that mass, more mass produced wine if they're giving it a little bit of oxygen because mm-hmm. you, can, you can kind of um, soften out tannins by bubbling oxygen through it. During fermentation or before? During aging. Oh, okay. So after fermentation. Yeah, so after fermentation. Um, so basically, like, tannins will soften out over time in huh. the barrel, and that's just because they're getting um, in contact with oxygen molecules. And so now, in, in the beer side, oxidization is a bad thing. Yes. So that's that's a fine line, I would assume. Yeah, it's a total fine line. And in certain, in certain styles and varieties of grapes react to oxygen differently. So, like, white wines, you know... Typically, you produce them in the fall, and you get them bottled in the spring, and you want to sell them out so you can produce some more the next year and bottle them the next year, you know? Because typically, oxygen is going to kind of ruin those flavors, those fresh fruit flavors. It's going to make it taste oxidized and like sherry or a cooked flavor, right? So you always, for white wines especially, you want, you know, as as little oxygen as possible. Yeah. For red wines, depending on the variety, it can have different effects. So like wines that have really big tannins that are really dry and in your face, mm-hmm. by giving a little bit of oxygen to it, that will kind of help mellow out those tannins and it'll make it more drinkable. And you can you can tell this like this is mass produced, right? This these are super silky ready to drink tannins these are really appealing tannins but you can feel them i would say well uh john i fucking love malbec i i really don't know why maybe it's just i've psychologically convinced myself but tell our listeners tell the rest of us in in about recap everything give us about 20 seconds on malbec malbec Bordeaux variety found its home in Argentina. Dark, inky, plummy, robust tannins. Delicious. And John Munn's favorite wine. Yeah. Wade, you mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago a little bit about beer. I want to transition to you. So just I want to paint a little picture for our listeners. You have a uh, you have a beard. Um, it's what about eight inch growth? I don't know about that. Yeah, you're uh, <laughs> supposed to measure it like a cattail. He, yeah, it's got a samurai. <laughs> Do you measure from the bottom? It's the got base a or the top? Samurai, <laughs> samurai man bun, and you you are a brewer of our other favorite alcohol, which is beer. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, and so you work for Cloud Nine Brewery here in town, correct? Yes. So how'd you get into brewing? Oh, goodness. Uh, my ex-father-in-law, when I was about 18. Yeah. Does your ex-father-in-law want to kill you right now? I don't know. Okay. We haven't spoken in many, many, many years. <laughs> so he probably wants to kill you. <laughs> He's probably got a, like a sweet like poster in his wall. <laughs> no, no. He, he wanted to, uh, to make that a hobby uh, for us. Continue. Sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, so we, we had just moved to Portland, Oregon to... Um, move his business, uh, which was in, in manufacturing uh, metal parts for large hub grinders. I'm trying to get off on a tangent, but uh, we found a... We love tangents, by the way. Excellent. Um, we found a 
home brew supply store. This is this is '96. I remember because Bill Clinton was was uh, running for president that year, and there really was no place to buy home brew stuff. Or you know, um, it was it was hard to find even in Portland back then. But we found one that it was these guys sold software. This was pre-Portlandia. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the hipsters had not descended. Don't, don't. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But these guys had pictures of Jerry Garcia up on the wall, and they sold software and homebrew supplies, and they gave they even gave classes on the weekends um, to to teach people how to brew their own beer. And we decided to do it, and um, it worked out really well, and it was easy, and we loved the beer. So uh, I just kept going from from that point on, and it just kind of progressed. So from Portland, how'd you get back to Boise? Um, yeah, uh, I, we were we were pregnant uh, with his daughter. I, 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 I knocked <laughs> you up and your father in law. Sorry, I knocked <laughs> up his daughter. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, we uh, we we ended up going back to Boise because uh, her father and I got into a, an argument at, at work. But uh, anyway, back to Boise and um, kept. Kept brewing beer. So were you guys were you guys brewing beer in Portland, or was this just a backyard hobby still? At that yeah, point no, or, we yeah. we we were um, just brew hobby. Yeah, it okay. was out of the garage. Um, uh, but it was it was an exercise in um, uh, perf- per- perfection. Um, you know, we, we'd read the book and you got to make sure this is sanitary, this is clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the ingredients need to be up to par and measurements. So it was it was kind of a, a love for me just to, to do it in that sense. Yeah. And when did you, so when did you move back to Boise? This would have been about ninety seven. Okay, you know. so just real quickly. Yeah, yeah, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. So you threw a keg at him in the garage, and he's like, "Get the fuck out!" <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was actually a sawhorse, oh, a metal sawhorse. Saw right there, yeah. <laughs> so you come back here, and then what? Uh, I come back here and just continue my career in, in manufacturing. But I always brewed on the side, and uh, I had a friend um, who was interested in it, and we 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 started doing that more and more. And uh, I got irritated with all the cleanup and the mess. Um, oh. Of a, making beer of or making beer. Of making okay. beer, yes, correct. Um, yeah, because beer is a lot of cleaning. It's a lot of cleaning. A lot of sanitizing, a lot of cleaning. Especially on the small scale. <clears throat> yes. There's a lot of parts to um, okay. add to it. Um, and I, I wanted a, a more self-contained um, brewing situation. Um, and by the time I was I was uh, kissing all the guys' asses that were brewers around town... Like this, this is so. This is ninety seven still, right around the ninety. Now we're like um, early two thousands, okay. you know, yeah, yeah, in the mid two thousand. Um, which I feel like the which is the nadir. Is that the is nadir the low point of something? I don't know. Mark, you should know this. Mm. Yeah, so I feel like this is before. I mean, we're before craft beer. It was hard yeah, to find. A I feel like craft beer. beer. When did craft beer take off? Two thousand ten, maybe. No, it's got to be before that. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, it's only a matter of six, seven. Um, I I felt like I you know there was a lot of geeks out there that were sure. scrounging places to buy. Yeah, it beer. always it always. I mean, I guess I guess what I'm saying is it probably hit mainstream and whatever I'm saying. The, right. The, so now, like yeah. if, now, if you like oh five, if you open Mark's fridge yeah. it's probably all craft beer right the demographic of people that i would um I just assume or stereotype as not being interested in craft beer suddenly were into craft beer i would say you're right about 2010 yeah okay so you're you're ahead one. of the curve you're a true fan you love fucking good beer correct yes yeah i, I, I really did but i love getting drunk too yeah, yeah. i'm not gonna lie about <laughs> you're at a really good table um <laughs> So, 
Okay, continue. So, um, yeah, the cleanup, uh, the equipment. I wanted to improve the equipment, and uh, I was willing to spend a lot of money to buy something that w- was commercially available. And I didn't like any of uh, the options I had. Mm-hmm. So I, as a machinist and a programmer, um, I decided to build my own, uh, design and build my own uh, homebrew system that was exactly the same as all the big professional producers, only tiny. And I set about doing that, and I... I did, and uh, I machined most of my my uh, equipment, and I fabricated it myself. Um, I even learned how to wire control panels, solid state relays, and switches, and mechanical relays, and and I automated it. So, uh, so can I so ask you a quick question um, for the non who knows what beer is? So, what would building your own brew system consist of? What what parts are we talking here? Real talk, real rudimentary. Sure. And then I want to talk more about your specific design. Absolutely. Um, well, there were a few manufacturers um, that build the stainless steel vessels, the large pots. I'll say it like that, large pots. Um, mm-hmm. But um, everybody is using um, threaded connections. I didn't like that, for example. That was one thing I didn't like. I wanted sanitary couplings or sanitary connections. They they using like the normal beer industry or dairy industry. Um, so, you, like, thread, I think we all know what, like, a thread mm-hmm. is. But, like, bolt, nut. so what's the alternative? Something that hooks quick, in and then turn, that, turns that, to the left or to the right and locks? It, it butts straight together with a flat flange okay. and it just clamps, you know, with a rubber gasket. And, and and this is this is important. So it goes like this and then locks right. and turn to the right or the left. Okay. Yeah, it'll actually have a third piece. It's like a, an outer clamp. Yeah. But um, the threads, you know... Uh, harbor bacteria. Anytime you have a small crack or crevice or an unsmooth surface, bacteria can harbor. Okay. That can be very detrimental to uh, the yeast, yeah. which is you know what is most important to sure. beer. So, but yeah. Um, so to try to get rudimentary about that design, yeah, yeah that was sorry. one of the that was one uh, particular example of what I wanted to get rid of, and nobody really just offered that, so hmm. I had to had to make that myself. So when did when was this about like? This was about 2010 when I set about okay. making, uh, designing and making this, and uh, I finished it about uh, 2000, almost 2000, yeah, to- early 2012, yeah. And what what kind of beers did you like brewing? Like, oh. what was what was your what was your jam? I love this question, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I liked making Bud Light. Did you really? Yes. Mark now. Mark now loves Bud Light. That's my jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so so good, and, uh, and right? I love and I love that answer because I have opinions on it as well. I you're a chorus guy. Never been. No, 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 I'm not. I'm really not. Yeah. Um, Bud Light's a very simple situation. Um, but it's there's really not a whole lot. I mean, they they use adjuncts like rice, um, but which yeah. I never did. But um, trying to make a beer that's so simple. You have yeast mm-hmm. and water mm-hmm. and hops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's mass produced, um, so there's a, there's a huge stigma behind this. It's not really a craft beer, but oh, man, I have a hard time. Their craft is in their the mass production and the consistency that they they pull this off with. Um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so I mean, if you if I agree with you, so if you, if you're looking at um, something that is super simple in their flavor profile, if you imagine you have a little little thing wrong a tiny itty bit itty bitty thing that's wrong with it you're going to taste it absolutely because there's nothing that it can hide behind that's true 
Yeah, you can make and it that, ale. That's what makes it really hard to make. Right? So imagine you have like a tiny bit of bacteria that's producing some off flavors. And you brew a Bud Light or like a... That has no flavor really to begin with. It's going to taste... There's there. nothing to hide behind. Yeah. Nothing like to hide behind. Where like it's like, that's that's really hard to do. And this is really indicative of, you know, the original, the German purity laws. Too. They, they, they really... And, you know, and there was other reasons, economical reasons, Ooh. that they, they, they brought that quick, in, into Quick, quick. What is the German purity laws? Well, you are only allowed to use a couple of ingredients. For beer production. Correct. And yes. what are those ingredients? That is hops. Yeast and barley, and they can't be. They have to be non-GMO, right? They they're got to be pure. Now I am not certain about any specifics. I'm sure. Well, so when they made those laws, they didn't probably have to worry about that. I think there were a lot of um, there's some there's some political um, and economical situations. I think behind that. Oh really? Yeah. Um, they don't want people using and growing and uh, putting things that are maybe harmful or because uh, that, that went down uh, in other countries in Europe, but um, yeah, I, I like the uh, your your definition, your or your explanation. There's nothing to hide behind. Nothing to hide behind. Just really isn't. Can I tell my story about Bud Light real quick? Yes, oh please. So I went to college in San Diego, where there's SeaWorld, which which is Anheuser Busch, which is the parent company of of Bud Light. And when you go there, when you go to any Anheuser Busch thingy situation they have beer university and you go you go in and you get a bunch of samples of beer and you get natty light and you get bud light and you get budweiser and you get all <laughs> awesome. you, you get the whole cornucopia of anheuser-busch beers and then at the end they ask you like they're like and now there's a quiz and you like raise your ooh, who knows the answer to this and if you get the most questions answered correctly, you are beer valedictorian. <laughs> wow. And I live, I was a 10-minute bike ride from SeaWorld. I you was, do this once a week? I was fucking beer valedictorian <laughs> like nine times my senior year of college. Like, John, fine, what's the answer? No one else can get it. But uh, fucking love. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's, that's dedication, uh, man. It is. It's fucking. Uh, so I'm all in on Bud Light. All in. Continue. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, so I like you to make this simple. I, I tell so people. Bears. Yep. Um, you know, you you start making ales and porters um, because that's what people really like. That's you know, that, that when you say craft beer, people so they always tell me early in early 2000s say, "Oh, you like that dark beer." Well, okay, yes, I do like dark beer, but I like light beer. And mm -hmm. We're talking about. The toast of the barley that that renders the color. It doesn't necessarily have to be high in alcohol. It doesn't have to be complex in flavor. Um, I can make you seriously. I'll make you a, a version of Bud Light, and I'll make it almost black. Um, really, if I can keep yeah. that, some of that toasty down. Um, sure. I mean, you're still gonna taste some of the toastiness, yeah. but um, you get the yeast right. You get those things together, and it, you close your eyes, and you would not say, "Well, that's a that's a dark. That's a heavy beer." We can make a very light version. We'd uh, um, uh, explain to me why IPAs Mark's favorite beer. Okay, so least lot, favorite a beer. A lot of people in Boise this is their favorite beer. I would oh, say a lot. I, I feel like I feel like uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but why are why are IPAs so goddamn popular? 
You know, I I take this to a, a natural progression of of, of, of flavor um, with people getting into beer. Um, I have seen a lot of my friends, a lot of people I know, and then everybody else in town follow almost the natural progression of, of beer styles um, in, in flavor profile that I followed. And it's, we talked about this last night, right? And, yeah. and IPA is one of those. I absolutely loved that hoppy beer. Um, and people used to me, that tastes like tree bark. That is disgusting. And you know, this was oh good, yeah, early two thousand. Pine needles, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. People would say that quite often. Um, Back then, I think I could get Red Hook, um, ESB. That was one similar to a, yeah. a better, a bitter. But, um, Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. Sierra Nevada was one. Um, the shoots had a great, you know, the Mirror Pond was fantastic here. Um, but I, I just think it's a natural progression in people's flavor. And then you know, you I progress onto another type of beer, and and then, then a different one, and then a different one. And uh, people always people always end up going towards Belgian style. They else. do. I, they do. And then there was the so sour. Would you, would you equate almost like fashion? Like fashions go in and out I, of style. I would. With like clo- I absolutely with like would. clothing. Like I, I, I really, you know. really would. That's um, actually a really good way to. Yeah, I'd say it's like fashion. Interesting. Yeah, and it, yeah, but it's uh, it, you know, flavor is a real thing. This is a this is a physical and a sure. You know, it's like, I mean, well, I guess it would be very similar to fashion too. If someone looks in the mirror and their their brain is pleased mm-hmm. by the way they look or what they see other people wearing, so I, it, I guess you could say, yeah, it's very similar. And so. On the like the wine side, um, when I was a, like an early wine drinker, I liked fruity, cheap wine, red wine, whatever. It's good. And then the more wine I drank, I was like, oh, I like these big, bold cabs or these really intense reds that are really dry your mouth out. And that's almost like the IPA progression, right? Because those IPAs dry your mouth out. And then the more I drink wine, the more I reverted back to like, Actually, really like crisp, light, drinkable, white wine. drinkable, drinkable white yeah, wines. I'm doing the same thing. And with I'm, beer. for beer, it's the same thing. It's like I like, I like pilsners. I like, I really like a, like a Czech pills yeah. or, yep. you know, something light and Czech pills, like a really super fucking cold pilsner. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got it's got good flavor. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's subtle and it's. Have it's, you ever tried to drink? It's, it's so great. A warm Czech pills. I've drank everything you can possibly. <laughs> drink. Yeah. He drank my prison wine. I <laughs> drank prison wine, and I still have a bottle of it. Oh. And one night, I will be so desperate for alcohol, I will drink it. Um, I will. But I, I don't. I don't know if I've purposely drinking a warm pills. Probably you, tasting. You should try you tasting should try his. No, no, no. Try them uh, side by side. You know, pull one out of your fridge. It's very German. It's very German like, right? To drink wow. it warm. Man, the, warm the flavor profile is huh. almost night and day. You're going to taste good, so many other things good, in the warmer, but in a, not in a bad way. Some people might think it's not. Uh, I don't think so. I think I, you can taste more of the malt in the barley. Um, it's pretty neat. Is So kind of along the same lines, um, I'm guessing you've, you're you quite the alcohol connoisseur. Like, do people <laughs> do people do that? Do people gonna are going to be like, I'm going to put wine, I'm going to put red wine in the microwave and see what it tastes like. I'm going to drink beer that's warm temperature oh, man. to see if it gets weird. Like, do is, well, that a, is that a thing? So I know this question is directed to both of you guys. So when I go do tastings with bar managers or whatever, and people that drink a lot of wine, sometimes I'll say like, obviously this is not the correct serving temperature that we're tasting right now, and they go, "That's fine. I'd rather I'd rather taste the wine at a warm temperature, right? Because for white wines, especially, um, it's kind of like that 
that whole um, Bud Light analogy, you can't hide behind the coldness, right? So like when when beer served cold, when wine served cold, you can mask flavor really easily. Oh, absolutely. So so a lot of people that are professionals or people that are in charge of mm-hmm. creating wine lists and beer lists, they want to taste it at its worst, sure. almost, right? So they can say, it's like, oh, okay, I taste a little bit of oxidation or a little acetic acid or whatever yeah, that it makes is. sense absolutely I agree. but at the same time like if it was served cold you wouldn't taste that mm-hmm. so yeah i mean um exactly like like you say um, some of the lighter beers on that on that spectrum i would rather have a little bit colder but mm-hmm. it's always fun to try a little bit warmer ales i like a little bit warmer um sake is the same way i mean you go have a heated sake or you have an ice cold sake so, Do you know some stuff about sake? Because I know nothing about sake. I no, I watched a I watched a documentary <laughs> on Netflix <laughs> about these guys in Japan. I I I feel stupid because I don't remember the name of the the brewery, but they they make sake. These guys actually live in the brewery for nine months out of the year. They don't they leave their families in 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 Japan and they go live there to make their whole year's production worth of sake how do we get on that do they also become ninjas too like do you get a black belt when you come out uh that's crazy wait wait i want to circle around i want to i want to circle back to something you said earlier about your homemade equipment yeah um so you you said you manufacture you're a welder you're I, i know nothing about nothing how does how does one make a, a homemade fixture. Yeah, so I started out as a welder in my teens. Um, that's ultimately what led me to drop out of school. Um, working for my grandfather, we built sawmills in Missouri. Um, my Mormon upbringing took us to Missouri in the early 90s because that was where the second coming was going to occur. Uh, Nebo? <laughs> Nebo? Uh, it was somewhere in there. Adamon Diamond was yeah. the place. It was yeah. like near <laughs> Arkansas and there. And just, so just funny, and Will's laughing. Like, just uh, well, right I, so I thought I thought Mormons were a South Park joke till I moved to Idaho. No. <laughs> just for full disclosure, uh, the Wetman Podcast, we we're we're pro Mormon. We love the Mormons, and I'm not being sarcastic. Well, actually, we we did have this conversation. You you dislike Mormons, Will, because you're disliking I, my family. So choose your words wisely. Is Cheryl Munn Mormon? No, my dad then, is. Then yes, Mormon. I dislike Mormons. My, sister, like my sister's Mormon. Or, she's, she's not going to listen to this. Well, you don't know uh, all Mormons. I you guarantee my sister like Mormonism. will. <laughs> I, um, I am on the fence, and I'm really high on the fence on the Mormons because... John Munn wants to go on record is being Mormon-loving. I mean that with all my heart. Oh, yeah. But anyways, Wade, uh, continue. You were, you were raising a barn with your Amish Mormon friends in well, Missouri right. or whatever sounds, you were doing. That sounds hilarious. No, my grandfather uh, invented you do, a, you do have a Mormon Amish beard. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Yeah. From the, eight, the 1800s. Yes. Yeah. I'll just point that straight. Um, but uh, no, my grandfather invented a, a vertical bandsaw mill, and uh, we manufactured the sawmill. So there was a lot of machining so good, and welding. It, is, it was really good plan. Um, and I started there and I had a knack for it and it was something I loved. Um, so I just continued moving forward with that. And then, so let's just fast forward. Um, I'm 20 years into the machining industry and I'm writing programs for CNC machines automation. So we're automating the, uh, the production of uh, high tech 
So uh, you dr- you components. dropped out of high school, but you're coding. You're doing computer coding. Yeah, I, yeah. How does that work? Well, I did get my GED. Okay. <laughs> I'm, just okay. I'm not saying I learned programming <laughs> from GED. Did you go to you and did, I mean I did not go to school for that. No, no. It's, okay, so uh, you just figured it out. Yeah, he's correct. Yeah. Smart people will figure things out. It was fun. Um, well, I was, you know, young and fucking um, hacker. I wanted yeah. to be. I was ambitious, and so, and you know, bosses, um, they really, they gravitate towards people like that. And I, I guess yeah, saw that ambition. Right away. So, if children are listening home, ambition and hard work is yes. probably the number one. Let's hope children are lot not listening at home. Also, if you are listening, go to automation because in twenty years you're not going to have a job if you don't know how to automate. <laughs> That's. Very true. <laughs> Everything's going to be automated. The robots are going to run the world. That's that's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So know how to control. Learn the robots. how to build the robots and program the robots. Otherwise, you're you're going to be living at your parents' house till you're fifty. Disregard John's half dozen f bombs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, children. Well, this I, I, I think this <laughs> is a fucking real world. <laughs> I, we endorse Mormonism and f bombs and wine. Mm-hmm. So new world order. So so you're programming. You're designing stuff. Yes, and um, every place I'd ever worked for, I would always um, say to my bosses, you know, hey, I, yeah, I really want to work here. I want this job. But um, it's not uncommon for an employee in a CNC machine shop to ask for uh, special time, like on the weekends when mm-hmm. you're not working. We call it, you know, G work or government work. You know, So you're, you're doing your own thing. So, And my bosses were always really cool about that. And the place I worked at particularly at that time was um, – here in Meridian, Idaho, a uh, great machine shop. I'm not there currently, obviously, but mm-hmm. great group of guys. Um, and they gave me a lot of uh, scrap stainless steel, and um, I did a lot of work and and uh, and put the brewery together. So, so now I'm kind Do of you, bummed that he did uh, not bring us some of his beer they brewed on that yeah. system. I'm so we can it. we can this, no, we'll do another. Podcast. I feel like this is going to be part two of podcast. So, like, uh, do you have patents? No, no, okay. no. Uh-uh. Um, you know, you know, patents are really difficult to. I have to know nothing with. about patents. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know it's a word, and I know it's like a. I invented something, so I have to patent it. It's it's, it's really easy to get around patents, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but it's got to be like a, a a law of physics almost, you know, to be able to stand by. It. It's like, well, you have a cantilever, or you have a a gantry system, or nobody knows a, what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, no, but like, you you invent a widget, you know. Anyone, if what's special about this widget? Oh, it's circular. Okay, well, I'm. Can I make a square widget that'll sell just as good? Yeah, you probably can. Well, then why would you even spend the money to try to okay. patent? Someone's just okay. going to beat okay. you to death with it. So, um, but no, I, so I didn't invent anything special. I just took a lot of elements of other people's breweries yeah. that you could buy yeah, for yeah. you know several thousand dollars on the market and combined them because not one particular unit. Had everything. It didn't meet all of my needs. Huh. So, so do you do you, do you love what you invented? Is it like I really love yeah. what I invented? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I show you a picture of it? Yes, it's not going to do anything for you. Can we? Office. So can we? Uh, can we put this up on our sure, Twitter I'll, eventually? I give it to. Paul but I want to. I do want to see a picture right now. Yeah, for sure. This is sweet. So you don't care if people like look at this and be like, "Oh, oh fuck, I'm going to recreate this." Well, so here's here's my questions. Like, how much is it? Making beer, is it your equipment or is it your knowledge or your skill? You know, um, it, it's experience, honestly. It's trial and error. Mm-hmm. I, I, a lot of reading, a lot of um, trial and error. Um, I, I retain – Holy inf- shit. I, re- <laughs> I retain um, textbook information. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. 
Especially since, you know, well, it was probably the GED that I got. <laughs> so the stuff, the, this stuff down here is what you Yeah, so, okay. um, well, yeah. Uh-huh. And the uh, the control panel I kind of mimicked. Um, um, so is this at Cloud9 or this is your house? No, That's, yeah. That was his a, own a brewer. This is great. Look, I'm going to pass around sure, the table. Sure. It's all hard and plumbed and um, self-contained, so I can actually... Be brewing, and then I can transfer all the, the, the beer liquid to one end and then be washing so, it back in. So um, what, what's – so you said you're more of a Bud Light type beer. What's, what, That's what's my favorite one, but yeah, not necessarily yeah. to drink. What do, you, what do you call it? What's your – what do you call your beers? I just, do you have names for them? Or? No, I don't. So I, I'm one of those guys that hates it when somebody says, what yeah. would you, you make? Yeah, yeah. And I guess I don't hate it, but it's just not my style. I, I don't go, oh, I made this um, – Kick-ass lightning bolt number three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ale. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't even know what that means. Don't you don't have you a, So like, you say, I made this style or... Correct. So I go for the style a, tradition. Sure. And um, I try to stay true to the type of ingredients that go into that style of beer. And when it's all done, I say, like, for example, I just finished making a New England style IPA. And that's Ooh. a... That's a this is a new thing that's hitting the world by storm. It's insane. And I'm reading about this. I, I never heard about it until about a month ago. And I'm trying to read everything I can and use everybody's information about how to make so, this beer. So what what is this New England style IPA? What are you talking I love, about? I love your question. I need to ask you more questions because we start out with on the wine question. Anyway, <laughs> um, the New England style IPA, as far as I know from everything I've read, is an IPA that is not bitter on the palate um, but more on the nose. So this is an aromatic, hoppy beer. And the other terms they have for it is juice beer or juice. Haze I just beer. had a I just had a fucking juice beer. I had two Probably juice beers last right? night. Okay. Okay. At a, at oh, a okay. Sam Adams juice. Oh really? Okay, yes. Yeah. So it's uh, called juice beer. It's thirteenth or New England style IPA. And it was and it, like if you if you took a lager and mm-hmm. you took an IPA and you like, yeah that's but this is also coming from a garbage palate <laughs> <laughs> heavy drinker so. <laughs> No, yeah. it's it's kind of cool, and uh, yeah, everything you know it's about cool. making yeah, yeah. beer, this style is backwards. It's yeah. just wrong. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I'm intrigued by this because this is yeah. this is wrong. This is backwards. This is not right. This is not okay. But everyone loves the shit out of it, so I, I have this to make good. this beer. I yeah. have to do this. So it's kind of cool. That yeah, that is cool. I mean, that's I think that's what excites people that make beer, wine liquor whatever it's anything, the really, right? anybody, that's, anybody that's making anything they want to make the newest or they want to experiment with something they don't know and mm-hmm. and and try with that so i want to know is how was the transition transition from like being a or from being a home brewer to now a professional brewer like because i mean that seems like a jump yeah it's a lot of work i will never brew beer at home again it's, it's like the classic, the plumber's pipes leak, the mm-hmm. roofer's house drips, the kid, the cobbler's kid, the barefoot mm-hmm. situation. Right. Yeah, that's what's happening. I'm not making beer at home. I don't want to do that. But no, uh, the transition is, um, it, it's a lot more work. Um, uh, obviously, the, the scale is bigger, mm-hmm. so there's a lot more lifting. <laughs> so, and the muscles are way bigger. Well, it's now. funny because it, it's a tight-knit community, so you talk to all these other brewers around town, mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah. It's so glamorous for like a couple months. Oh yeah, you, sound, you feel so cool about yourself because I used to seek these guys out and just look at them like gods. Right, I, I gotta meet this guy. Yeah. I even want their their autograph. 
Like, how gay is that? I want your autograph. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's not it's yeoman's work. It's not like that, huh? No, no, no. It's just it's work. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, uh, you know, my head brewer has um, you know last say in uh, in the beers that we make, and but uh, ultimately, what I'll say is, hey, I there's this is the style I want to make, and I actually I've never had him say hmm. no. He'll go okay. Yeah, go go for it, man. That sounds good. Go for it. So we're we're getting close to wrapping up, but uh, before we do, um, this is Mark. Do you have any questions? No. Okay, Huckabee. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, but uh, any final questions, Will? Um, because I, I feel like this is uh, um, we're gonna we're gonna have Wade back and do another session because I actually yeah, have I, I had a lot actually of questions have a, for Will. I have many, many more questions. What, what questions can I answer for you, Wade? Okay, well, so yes, the beer in particular, yeast is very, very, very important. Yes, and I know almost nothing about yeast in in wine. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, you you say things like we make it stop. We we you know in beer we will sometimes do that too, I mm-hmm. guess, but not if we don't have to. We'd rather not. But no, yeah. talk to me about that. I want. So yeah, so. Um, there's kind of two main philosophies in winemaking. Um, and for yeast, it's natural fermentation or whatever wild yeast is on the grapes is going to do the fermentation mm-hmm. or pitching with a commercial yeast that you can buy. And from what I know, from most of the winemakers I've talked to, most will do a commercial yeast because they can say this yeast strain does X, Y, and Z. It can ferment up to this amount of alcohol and it produces these kind of flavor profiles. Right. Whereas wild yeast is very unpredictable. So maybe in Burgundy, France or Bordeaux, France, where they've been making wine for hundreds of years, you know, they know their vineyard has the right yeast. They don't need to put commercial yeast in there, right? They have, they know their grapes have the yeast that's going to produce it. But in Idaho, shit, we don't know. What well, used to have in our vineyard or in our in our winery? Right. No, this is cool. Um, for some people that don't know a, a lot about the, the yeast, is the most important thing for alcohol production. Yes, absolutely. Is, it is literally uh, um, metabolizing and excreting. Um, sh- you know, it metabolizes sugars and excretes alcohol. Um, that's that's really what's happening, and and it actually. It, it flatulates CO2 as a byproduct. So <laughs> yeah. you have this living organism in... It's just farting gas. It, it's just, yeah, it shits alcohol and it farts <laughs> CO2. That's what's happening. So to, it, yeast is the most important thing, so... Yeah, no, it's definitely for wine as well. Um, so our, like, our, the winery I work for philosophy and my personal philosophy, philosophy is I want to select the yeast strain that's going to impart the characteristics that I want. Cool. And so I have a big database, a big book, and I'll read like this yeast is good for up until this amount of alcohol. It produces these flavor profiles. It likes hot fermentations, cold fermentations. It likes, it has low nutritional needs. Mm-hmm. So like I look at all those things and say, okay, this is how I'm going to manage my fermentation. So when I pick the yeast that is going to kind of fit my style of winemaking. Okay. Um, I, a real 
particular question, a specific question. Mm -hmm. Can you over pitch your yeast? And, and what that means for some people is that don't know um, is can you add too much yeast that can ruin the fermentation? For us, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I'm sure it's possible, but I, we've experimented. We've experimented with like how much um, the rate that we pitch, mm -hmm. and. I haven't found that big a difference, to be honest. Okay. Typically, if you don't pitch enough yeast, it takes longer for your fermentation to kick off. But you've most likely, if you're pitching anything, you're most likely pitching more cells that are going to outcompete any other natural yeast okay. that's already in there. So, so, e so even if you pitch like a fifth of like the recommended amount of yeast, it's going to outcompete the natural yeast by like thousands thousands of cells okay cool so, and be, so it might it might take a low longer to kick off fermentation but it's not gonna it's not gonna be stalled i don't think or inhibited by your wild yeast or your wild bacteria that's in in your in your must cool perfect yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's my that's my opinion i don't know though if i'm right are you facebook <laughs> Facebooking, john no i was looking up uh <laughs> tupac lyrics because you guys you that's guys hilarious. mentioned he has mentioned some of them. Tupac. So <laughs> I wanted to fucking wanted to quote Tupac. What what's, what's Tupac gonna say? Uh, Tupac is gonna say whatever the fuck he wants to say. Wanted to say. Yes. Right. No, he's still alive. Okay. You fucking kidding me? That's, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm so embarrassed yeah. right now. Got to step lightly because cops trying to snipe me. The cabs they don't want to step to a brother like me. Uh. We could do Tupac all day, all night. We need to, we need to do an exclusive. I feel like Tupac drank Malbec bef before it got big. Oh, like a good, in, a good like one. early nineties. I, I bet champagne, Hennessy, and Malbec. Champagne, Hennessy, and Malbec all in one. So what are those three things? Champagne <laughs> is a hangover. Hennessy Ooh. is gross. What Thank is it you. though? Thank you. I don't even know what it is. So you don't have a garbage pallet. Brandy? Yeah. yeah, it's a brandy. Yeah. What's a brandy? A fine girl. What a good wife <laughs> she would be. I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, that's that's good. I love that song, by the way. <laughs> uh, Looking glass by Looking Glass. Didn't you have to look that up? It's not. It's not what brandy is. But uh, I don't know. For another podcast, I guess. I know, I know who fucking Tupac is. All eyes on me. <laughs> that's a. That's a. It's a. It's a fruit situation, isn't it? Brandy is. Um, it's basically a distilled grape. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's, you know, like, vodka is, like, potato More vodka or grain, grain, grain alcohol. Yeah. Brandy is, is, is a liquor distilled from grape. Yeah. So, or from wine. Yeah. So, I want to close this podcast out sure. by uh, doing a little situation we haven't done in a while called Wets in Your Wallet. Wade, oh, yeah. Wade, uh, you look like a man that might have strikingly interesting things are wrong. Can you, can you, uh, you, we have not prepped you for this. You have no idea That's what we're doing, really right? Cool. <laughs> Man, so What's get your wallet, wallet out. Uh, give it to Will. So uh, get, just don't get, get your hands. Okay. Well, well, All right, well, here we go. 
So just just for our audience at home, <laughs> Wade was like fishing through his wallet for something. No, I, <laughs> that I don't think he wanted. To I was going to take it out, but okay. Whoa, so I think, I think I'm okay. It's just a pocket. All right. So oh, it's a pocket. I was mother, like trying yeah, to open it up. No, okay. My mother made it. So Wade's me. put his wallet on the table. It's like it's, it's, it's like a, a kangaroo pouch. It's like a pouch. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. So your mother made that for you. Yeah. And well, and real quick, I mean, she's she's a leather smith. This is not. Jesus this is not. Christ. This is not. Um, we, need, whole, we need like a whole, a whole series on the Wade. This is funny. No, she. Yeah. I'll Where's leave. your mom live? Uh, she lives on uh, Hillcrest. Uh, she she lives here a, in town. Yeah, she bought a uh, house out on the gold, on the golf course. Okay, so hold on. Uh, so first thing out. Hold on, hold on. So what color is that leather? It's black. Oh, black yeah, leather. Dirty, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very black. It's black leather. So Wade's mom made it. Um, it's yeah. kind of a yeah. two by three inch. It took her seriously five minutes. I was like, yeah, Mom, yeah. I want a pouch, and she's like, okay, nice. no problem. She just very got nice. some scraps. So Will and... Will's just pulled out two pieces of yellow paper Receipt. the receipts they're mm-hmm. kind of the carbon copy receipts mm-hmm. one is for what what does it say on it burgess mm-hmm. yeah it's, my it's last just name. two receipts from wade for 55 dollars. yeah that is that doesn't right. say who it's from or for, for what it is awesome mm-hmm. i'm not gonna explain it <laughs> you can speculate on what that is so wh- what would you buy for 55 dollars twice what did you look at the dates though blowjobs hello just leave that open for whatever. Yeah. Oh, we have uh, we have like, oh, January thirtieth and March first. Hand jobs each. Hand jobs, blowjobs, massages, or, or bu- with a heavy finish. Mm, maybe I can do all those by myself though. Chase, just kidding. Chase bank card. What's what's the four on the back? Can you read that? No. <laughs> <laughs> the CIA already knows that, so I don't care. Okay. Hand it to him. Whoa. What do you got there? What was this taken? When? What, what? So I have the driver's license. Driver's away. license. Let me see. Is it? Born in 77. Let me see the picture on the front. Whoa, <laughs> that is... N- Beard is not nearly as impressive at that point. There's, I think I have two driver's licenses. Okay. Oh, here we go. Here we, oh, here's the second one. You, were, you did not weigh that much. What? <laughs> side by side. There's the other one. Actually, I think Wait, why do you have two, why do you have two driver's licenses? card, actually. Oh yeah, so it's important for the listeners to know that I um I, I had two you do not DUIs. Look like this. That's great. So I didn't drive for a long time. No, I, that's I not important for anyone to know. <laughs> Wait, I think it is because as a brewer, you have to understand there's pitfalls. Botavino, Botavino. I have one of these. I have one of these cards. <laughs> okay, well, Bota boner. So hold on, real quick. For Botavino is a wine club in town. Yeah, it's, it's is great. it good? Do you think you think it's great? I do. I, I, okay, I enjoy it. It is great. It's, it's um, great. Yeah, we make their house wine, dude. It's brilliant. You, you yeah. have wine on demand, a little push button, mm-hmm. three different prices depending on the volumes that you want to dispense. Yeah. Do you do you, you feel just, like it's fairly priced? No, probably not. But it's genius because I go in with like let's say thirty bucks, and I could go buy a thirty dollar right. Malbec, okay. right, and enjoy myself yeah. and get drunk and go to sleep and have a good time. I'll go into Bodovino and I'll walk around the place and it's just start six, randomly pouring crappy stuff. Yeah, I'll get, and I'll I'll get my, six ounces of wine. In 10 I'm, minutes, I'm done. I have I leave like 30 bucks and I'm like, I gotta go home because I'm out of money. It's a genius. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's a genius yeah, business plan. So, okay, so that's why to me it's like fucking a giant scam of all times. It's brilliant. It, yeah. It's a so scam it, and it's a brilliant. It depends on your perspective. Okay, continue. Uh, Brewer, Jordan Adams. The shoots. Oh yeah, I went to a, a, a brewer's dinner. I think at front door I met the guy. Are okay. you gonna ever call him? No, I don't know why that's in that's, there. That's, that's odd. It's good. That's okay. so garbage. Throw that one away. You should probably put that somewhere else besides your. I wallet. signed this in the third grade, by the way. <laughs> Social security card five Hang on there. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time we were at Crescent Brewery in Nampa? 
Crescent's dope, dude. Uh, my girlfriend lives a few blocks away from oh, okay. Jerry uh, there in Crescent. And Crescent's... I, I love that guy. He, yeah. he makes a great beer, and that guy's been around forever. He's been around yeah. so long. So um, what if you're in Nampa, what, what kind of beer are you drinking out there? Oh, well, um, they have um, a pre-funk there. Yeah. So you can drink whatever you want. Downtown Nampa is sneaky cool. It is actually like two blocks. The last, right, Huckabee? I would say the, the last, yeah. the last two that. years, yeah. Napa is. They're doing better. They're doing way better. I still don't want to live there, but they're doing better. <laughs> no, they, they Napa could have a dope downtown. John Munn, do you know who does want to live in Napa? Jacqueline, Bill Wetmore. Oh, is no. that your father? You have to avoid that. <laughs> you, do, he, he can just live with me, but that's a whole other podcast. What's up, <laughs> um, Oxark? Don't know what that is. Uh, they Gas. sell yeah a, welding gases, particularly this one is for CO two for carbonating uh, beer. In hey, tanks. can you help me do a nitro wine? Yeah, I, I yeah okay. I hope you do a Dutch oven. Fucking idiot! I don't know that I'm. Re- <laughs> that was really funny, but that's so stupid. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> Uh, Ada County or Ada Community Libraries is it the library card. Yeah, I, mean, I don't have one of those. Oh, that's is that t- really that's my, Did I really go get? That's not. Is that Ada County? Yeah, Ada Community Sweet. Library. Oh yeah, so South Boise. Yeah, it used to be a bowling alley. It used to be uh, Lake Hazel Lanes. <laughs> now it's a now it's a library. it's a library. It's a, awesome. They have right. this. Um, is there still bowling? No, no, it's a library. What else? Allen's Handy Storage. Mm-hmm. Need that? <laughs> Hold on. That's <laughs> that seems like a bodega. That's like <laughs> this is a front for something shady. <laughs> Allen's handy storage, Garden City. <laughs> I, I gotta give a shout out to my man Alan. Alan's auto. He's uh, I'm not, I'm he's not, the Volkswagen not master. Gonna, you you have it. a Volkswagen bus, you gotta take hey, it to him. Free free coffee. You got a full punch card. I'm not gonna say who gave that to me. But he's sitting at this table. Wasn't me. Me? <laughs> yeah. I gave that to you? Uh-huh. Correct. Whoa. Another receipt. Another receipt. Same one. $55. <laughs> what are you paying $55 a month for? It's called embezzlement. <laughs> Alan's handy storage. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Alan's handy storage. Do you need the receipt still? Or? No, no. We've no. all seen Breaking Bad. <laughs> Every once in a while, write yourself a receipt for $55. Ooh, Hobby Lobby. Wait, wait, really? Hold on, Re- hold on. Read, read the entirety of that receipt. Crafts, 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 crafts. Art and art. I like to craft and art. paper crafts. I love my craft and my art. Crafting for sixty. I wish. I wish sixty four dollars and three. Yeah, what were you getting at Hobby Lobby? My Halloween costume, which was. Boba Fett? No, it was. Uh, you guys are. You know that cartoon uh, Adventure Time? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was uh, Ice King. So I, I got into um, prosthetics. So I made my nose. and. Oh, Huckabee's really into what you're saying. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a super deep children's cartoon. It's awesome. Oh, I know. I know. I don't I'm... think it's children's <laughs> cartoon at all. <laughs> no. I think it's for adults. <laughs> so there you go. It's, it's multi layered. Yeah, that's got right. Colors and loud noises. So now we got <laughs> some duplicate, duplicate uh, business cards for Trinity Anderson? That's my brother's ex-wife. Handjobs. Don't need that. She, <laughs> that explains the fifty. That explains, that explains the fifty-five dollar hand. Brian receipt. Jackson, physics professor, BSU. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a really interesting conversation. Actually, 
he wants to conduct a experiment where um, they're actually going to be able to send stuff in through space, and he wants to like do make beer in in space, like in zero Whoa. g gravity. Space beer. Sign me. Sign me up. Let's see that card. See what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Can uh, I will sign up if you can pump beer through my if you can like pump it into my suit. Has a person been drunk in space? See, that's again. This is this is new ground. This is stuff we can touch on. Yeah. This. No, he was very Get interesting. that number. He's Take a, a picture of yeah, this. Okay. Brian <laughs> Johnson. He's, he's, no, he's uh, no BS. Oh, is, hold on. Is this this? Is this the? This no. isn't. Uh, Steve, Steve Swanson. Steve Swanson. Yeah. So, next question. We have the Idaho Tax Commission. Kristen Lewis, why do you have a tax commission card in your f- wallet? Because I, I know your feelings on taxes. Yeah, taxation is theft. <laughs> taxation see. without representation? No, taxation theft. Period. Theft. I can't wait. I pay it. I'm it's, sniffing it's podcast part two. <laughs> you got social um, worker, John Munn. Goodness, I don't know why I have that Let's card. Get rid of that Honestly, thing. I got to remember that. I don't know. Uh, cancer Cooperative, Gavin Robertson. Let me see the card. Oh, Lord, I have no idea. I put that in there okay, drunk. Good. Good. You met someone that was like... Uh, they might have been interesting or I didn't think they... I don't, I don't know. Chase deposit. We don't care about that. I do. How much money does he have in his bank account? <laughs> I never. I never get the receipts. So you don't know. Uh, Jelaine Garner, you deposited twelve hundred dollars. Bankruptcy paralegal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you file for bankruptcy? I did. How how'd that go? How's how's that even work? Hold on. Yeah, you haven't seen The Office. I declare <laughs> bankruptcy. It's like I do. You just have to declare it. It's it's a it's a long, long, long story. Podcast too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stamps or new stamps. Yeah, Another receipt, okay. and this one is flowers. You fucked uh, up. My you girl, fucked my girlfriend up. Hillary. Yeah, for uh, Valentine's Day. No, oh, nice. Oh, okay, you don't need to keep that though. No, I don't know why I put them in there. <laughs> just oh, because um, they I was gonna have them deliver them, and I just needed to keep them. Like, gotcha. They didn't get delivered. I was like, hey, heartburn. Yes, <laughs> I do have heartburn, <laughs> and I fucking keep this because it's three dollars off Zantac. <laughs> and if you've ever bought Zantac, it's fucking expensive. outrageously expensive. But this shit is awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. More receipts. Another receipt. More. So th- these aren't just. Sure. This so, is bankruptcy, lady. One, one, one month before that expires. Yeah, that's yeah. I, that's my attorney, my bankruptcy attorney. And then last twenty five dollars bonus bucks for Vans. Yeah, I bought two yeah. new pairs of Vans the other day. Do you have Vans on your feet right now? I do. Yeah. Let me see. Nice. Let's see. Let's see. This is a classic black. Oh there, yeah. There you go. So that's uh, that's that's what's in your wallet. All right. So I feel, uh, so, I feel really raped. Yeah, that's, that's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I cleaned right, my wallet. So, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Wade. Yeah, thank thanks you. for joining us. Cheers. Uh, oh my god, that was amazing. I love it. That was it's fun. good. Um, Cheers. Thank you, Mark, thanks for having us at your house. Yeah. You guys, uh, be good. Make good choices. Don't put bankruptcy receipts in your wallet. <laughs> All right. Love you, America. Next time. Bye. Peace.